The following Truth Barista podcast is a High Beam Ministry production. Your typical firstborn child is reliable, conscientious, list maker. They don't like surprises. It's us babies of the family that love surprises. Surprise me, surprise me. Your comedians, Billy Crystal, Eddie Murphy, Drew Carey, Jim Carey, Martin Short, Chevy Chase, Whoopi Goldberg, Ellen DeGeneres, all babies of the family. Why is it that little schnookies are the comedians? Because the firstborns get their choice of what they're going to do in life first. There are scientists, our architects, our engineers, our leaders. So firstborns rule. Because I'm telling you, firstborn children are in a class by themselves. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Truth Barista, we're back at it again, and I just couldn't wait. Last time you were talking about the patriarchs and so forth of the Bible, and then when you ended, you said, and now we're going to talk about God's patriarch, the nation of Israel. I just had a big question mark. I didn't quite know what you meant, but you're going to unpack it today. Right. What connects everything to where we're going in this is the fact that Jesus is called God's firstborn son, which is really important. Also, so God in Scripture calls Israel his firstborn son. We don't know what that means until we go back to ancient Israel culture, connect it with the Bible, and say, what is a patriarch? What do they do? What is a firstborn? What do they do? And then we'll get an understanding about Israel and Jesus. Okay, so let's get started. Okay, we were talking about famous firstborns, right? Yes, we did. Okay, and we had Ishmael, Esau, and Reuben, but we found out that it's not just by birth. God can choose certain things to determine a firstborn. So Ishmael was disqualified because he wasn't of the covenant parents, Abraham and Sarah. He was of Abraham and Hagar. Okay, so he's out, and that puts Isaac as the firstborn son. Good. Then you had Jacob and Esau. Esau was technically emerging from the womb first, but Jacob came out first. Okay, and we talked about the birthright, and we talked about the blessing that has to go with the birthright so that the birthright can be fulfilled as the leader of the family. Can I ask a question about that? Mm-hmm. Because really, Esau wasn't, the body part came out first. Right. But he didn't really, was born at that point. It's what emerges from the womb first. That's okay. the biblical line. And so he emerged. He just didn't complete the job. So, I mean, there's all sorts of really fun rabbinic teachings about Esau and why he was disqualified, but we'll just go with that. Okay. Okay. And then from there, you had Reuben, which was the firstborn son of Jacob's first wife, Leah. That's the way it would go. If he gets disqualified, it would move to the firstborn son of the second wife. That would be Rachel and her son, Joseph. And so Reuben got disqualified, and First Chronicles 5.1 says, Joseph now becomes the family's firstborn. By the way, you want to see a firstborn in action? If you read the story of Joseph... As a young boy, get your mind back there. Are you back there? Yep. Okay, Joseph. By the way, Joseph had a multicolored coat. Yes. Okay. So his father was playing favorites. Yes. Okay. 
That's what they felt. But in terms of what we're talking about, who was he favoring? He was favoring not the firstborn of the first wife. He's favoring the firstborn of the second Second wife. wife. Mm. And what made it even worse is at that time, Joseph was a very young boy. He was probably, we think, maybe 11, Mm. roughly, 12 maybe. And then he had a very young brother, Benjamin. So all of the other brothers, see, this is family dynamics gone astray, right? So all of these other family members are looking at this kid over here going, we're supposed to be following Reuben. He's the first son of the first. Why is dad favoring the first son of the second wife rather than the firstborn of the first wife? This is pure favoritism, and this is why they hated Joseph. So they figured Reuben would get his position back if they got rid of Joseph. But Joseph is sold to Egypt, and what happens? He gets blessed because after Reuben's demotion, Joseph now moves into the firstborn status. God blesses him in Egypt in such a way that some 17 years later, when the famine hits, Joseph has unlimited resources to pour out on his family to save them in the midst of a famine. Joseph's whole story is a firstborn taking care of his family's story. He proved himself to be the patriarch in training, even though he was separated from his family. So when they all come together at the end, Jacob goes, that's my boy. And when you think about what was designed designed to be bad by the brothers turned out to be good. Ultimately, that's kind of the story of life too, isn't it? That exactly is. Now, let's talk about firstborns. There's another firstborn that's not a person, it's actually a nation. When you go to Exodus 4, Moses is confronting Pharaoh. And this is about, let my people go that they might worship me, right? Well, the words that God gives to Moses are these, and I'm going to quote it, Exodus 4.22. And you will say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. Okay, that should be loaded with meaning right now. Number one, does the patriarch care about his firstborn son? Absolutely. Everything the father has and is, is to be invested in that firstborn son. What's the firstborn son's duty? To take care of the family. What's the firstborn son's, what does he need to do that? Resources. So our heavenly father is investing Israel as his firstborn son. It's almost foreshadowing that Israel's job is to provide protection. Israel's job is to provide. Israel's job is to take care of the other nation. Well, the light of the world. I mean, wasn't that one of their designated titles? As a firstborn son, you were to reflect your father Hmm. to the society around you. Since Israel is God's firstborn son, Israel's primary job is to reflect the father, to introduce the father to the world. The light to the rest of the nations. Exactly. So he was to be a light of the world. Gee, there's another firstborn son of firstborn Israel who called himself a light of the world. That would be Jesus. And his job? Reveal the Father to the world to take care of the world. And he's given all these blessings to take care of the world. Do you see how all this relates together? You know, that's the way scripture is though, right? Exactly. It all fits together. All the stories have some sort of relative connection. Okay, now here's where things get really exciting. Firstborn sons come about because of the relationship. (laughs) You see, Amazing Larry, when a man and a woman love each other very much, that's where firstborn sons come from. They are born. You know that. Yeah, there you go. They are born of a man and a woman. Hmm. Right? However, Israel is an interesting case. Let me explain. When you get to Genesis 11, all of humanity is one big group. 
But it's only when they start through the act of disobedience of the Tower of Babel that God says, hmm, the only way I'm going to stop this whole venture that humanity's on is if I divide them up. And the best way to do it is make them not understand each other. So he throws out these languages, says he scrambles their languages, and people group together according to affinity. And language is a big one. So now all of these nations, all of these people group together according to language, and they became the nations of the world. Right there in Genesis 11 has the list of the nations. Israel is different. Israel didn't come about until after that. How did God do it? He's looking at the nations and going, hmm, not a good start. (laughs) So where am I going to find a nation? Well, not here. I'm going to build me a nation. So I got to do the same thing I did before. I got to find a man. I got to find a woman. And they need to start a family. And that family, when it grows big enough, will become a nation. But I want to make this special. So I'm going to take an old guy... A really old guy of 75, and all the 75-year-old guys out there are now saying, Hey! So I'm going to take this old guy who's 75 years old, and I'm going to take this woman who is younger than him, but well beyond menopause. Okay? She's unable to have kids. And I'm going to do something special. I'm going to miraculously create a baby. This is what makes Israel as a firstborn unique. Israel came from a human mother through the divine power of a heavenly father. And you have a firstborn son created that comes to be Israel. Actually, Isaac, through which comes Israel. By the way, the phrase that we hear, only begotten son, referring to Jesus, means unique. So in the sense, Isaac is the only begotten son of Abraham and Sarah, the unique son, because he was created miraculously through the Father's power. And Isaac is the only begotten son that was to be sacrificed. Do you see the picture? I do now. Okay. See, God gives us these pictures so we know what's coming, and it's not so startling. He's preparing us. Okay. Well, in Luke 2, verse 7, Yeshua was Mary's firstborn, only begotten son of the Father. He's unique because he came from a human mother by the power of a heavenly father. Ah! So Israel and Jesus, in a sense, are linked because they are both firstborn sons through the same miraculous power. No other nation can claim this. No other person can claim this. So now you have two firstborn sons that are the core of what's going on in human history. Everything is revolving around these firstborn sons. Jesus and the nation of Israel. Is this blowing your mind? I'm just in awe. Okay, so the firstborn son now has to reflect the father. So Israel goes to Mount Sinai, God gives him the Torah and says, now be the light of the world, be God's revelation to the world. How do you do it? By living my way. You do that, you show people what I'm all about, okay? Now we see God in human flesh through a nation that's living like he wants to. Then you look to Jesus, And Jesus literally is the revelation of God in human flesh. In fact, Jesus says, if you see me, you see the Father. Jesus truly is the firstborn of the patriarch, Father, because he's doing exactly what the Father wants him to do. So, Jesus is the firstborn among the Jewish people, which means, what does the firstborn do? He's responsible to take care of the family. Jesus is responsible to take care of his Jewish family. If there's any disciplining to be done in the family, guess who does it? The firstborn son. It's not your business to to discipline God's family. It's the firstborn son's job. So is that why he is the person in the book of Revelation that's actually bringing correction? He's protecting his people. When he was here the first time, he was correcting the leadership 
And in the book of Revelation, when he returns, he's defending them against attackers. Perfect firstborn son stuff. This is just blowing my mind. Well, Truth Barista, we'll just take a short break, and we'll be right back for more conversation on this great topic. Beyonce, Charles Schwab, Winston Churchill, Oprah, what do they have in common? All of them are firstborn children. New research suggests firstborns have the edge over their younger siblings when it comes to smarts, as if the hand-me-down clothes and the shoes and the toys weren't enough. Truth Barista, you know, we're living in such turbulent times with this coronavirus. What advice would you have for our audience? Well, the first thing, you have to not give in to fear, right? I mean, you listened to a recent Dennis Prager. Yes, and he was saying some wonderful things. Don't waste this time, but contact your friends by phone or by Skype and talk to them and your family. Do things that you haven't done for years. Do things together as a family in your own home, but do something productive and don't it and mope and get depressed by what you hear on the news. So on the negative side, don't give in to fear, right? That means we have to limit our consumption of the news, consumption of social media. Now, we don't want to be uninformed. We want to be informed. But man, talk about Debbie Downers and stay away from the people who are being uber sensational right. about this and just stoking the fires. We don't need this. It is what it is, okay? It's it's like a pandemic, like a flu-type pandemic, although it has different characteristics. But and this is the point I'd like to make, too, is admittedly, and apparently, this has a high infection rate. So if we lower the possibility of infection, we'll have a lower potential for spread, and that will lower the severe number of cases and even deaths and lower the strain on the hospitals so that they can keep pace and give proper care for those who need it. So really, the positive thing is, this is a great opportunity, like you said, to stay at home, stay in the neighborhood. I've seen a lot of people walking their dogs, hanging out with their kids, gardening already, doing some fantastic things. And you know what's the most important thing for us? You gotta stay in the coffee, and you gotta stay in the Word. What a great combination. Thanks for that encouragement, Truth Barista. And don't forget to listen to the past episodes of The Truth Barista. Great thought. All right, so Jesus is a firstborn. Israel is a firstborn. Because of that, Israel has unique firstborn responsibilities and resources. Jesus has unique firstborn responsibilities and resources. So regarding Jesus, when he showed up, he was a perfect elder brother, firstborn brother. Because not only was he taking care of his family, but look at what he did. He creates food out of thin air. He healed all diseases. He protected them from demons and wild weather. He cared for the weak and the vulnerable. He rebuked his siblings when they got out of line. He encouraged his siblings when they were down. He drove back death and imparted life to his siblings. He restored a firstborn son to the widow of Nain to support her in her old age. In fact, the Father has given Yeshua a double portion out of all the people on earth, the Jewish people, and the Gentiles. This is all firstborn language stuff that you miss if you don't understand a firstborn. In fact, the firstborn's job was to redeem. There's another one. What's redeem? To restore people to the family. What's Jesus' job? Jesus' job as firstborn was to restore humanity back to the Father's home. And by the way, the first group to work on was Israel. He said here, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
It was after his resurrection he sends his disciples to complete the task by reaching out to the Gentiles. Oh, this is so good. Okay, this is important because Jesus sticks up for his family. In Genesis 12, God says, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Why is that important? Because God is saying, as the patriarch of the family, I'm going to bless those who take care of my family, and you touch my family, and you treat them with contempt, forget them. You got me to deal with, okay? Well, what is the firstborn son supposed to do? He's supposed to follow in his father's footsteps. So what would Jesus do? Jesus is saying, I'm going to bless those who bless my siblings, but you mess with my siblings, you got me to contend with. Okay, in the first case, it says at the end when Jesus returns, who is he dealing with harshly? Those attacking his siblings, the forces of the Antichrist attacking Israel. But you ever hear of a parable called the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25? Sure, that was a judgment. Yeah, he says, and I will call all the nations before me, and I'm going to judge them on whether you fed the hungry, whether you treated the sick, visited the imprisoned, clothed the naked, etc., etc. Because, you know, because whatever you've done for the least of these, my brethren, you've done for me. Many churches today look at that and say, that's our mandate to feed the hungry, to feed to clothe the naked and take care of the poor and all that stuff, right? Well, it is the social justice mantra. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the primary meaning of that parable. We should be doing those things. But what Jesus is saying is, this is going to blow me away. I'm going to probably start crying saying this. Jesus is saying, when you have done those things to the least of these, my brethren... He is talking about the people of Israel, the Jewish people. He's not talking about the class of poor or the class of naked or the class of hungry. He's talking about those who are poor, naked, and hungry in among the people of Israel. And he says, you nations, how you treated my siblings and my family is how I'm going to treat you. If you bless them, great. You're on the sheep side. I'll bless you back. If you're the treated them with contempt, guess what? You're goats. So it takes it right back to Genesis 12, 3. Exactly. He's acting like a firstborn. He's protecting his family. He's restoring the lost. He is blessing, throwing out blessings to his family. This is fantastic stuff. So as the firstborn among the redeemed us, what does Jesus do for us? Okay, we've talked about Jesus and the Jews. What about the Gentiles? Jesus is restoring the lost Gentiles to the family as well. It says we have been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. Okay, that means we are part of the family. Now, there's the Jewish side of the family, and there's the Gentile side of the family, and we've been grafted into them, which means our firstborn brother, our elder brother, is going to do what? He's going to protect us. He's going to bless us. He's going to watch over us. He's going to do all the things for us that he does to his in his firstborn capacities. Well, that's the one new man concept. Yeah, right? one new man means we've been grafted in. There's only one humanity. Right. There are a variety of streams within humanity, how God works with them according to his plan. But there really is one new man in the firstborn son, Yeshua, the Messiah. Okay, so he has the responsibility to care for us, to care for his siblings as the father would, and he has the resources to do it. Why? It says in the Psalms, Psalm 24, 1, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord, which means that every resource on earth, whether human or otherwise, belongs to Jesus. And out of those resources, if we work with him, everybody on earth can be cared for. Now that is something that could preach. He is the sole heir of his father's estate. Okay, now what about 
that's the earth aspect of it. What about the heavenly aspect? Because there's a heavenly realm greater than just this earth. It says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I will say our firstborn brother, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Messiah. Through our firstborn in heaven, we have been blessed with those blessings on earth and in the supernatural world. This is remarkable stuff. So he gets a double portion of his father's estate, so to speak, among his miracle people, the Jews, and his equally beloved people, the Gentiles. Okay? His job is to redeem humanity back to him. His job is to restore his people Israel to their land. That's one reason why the Jewish people didn't receive Jesus the first time around, because the scriptures clearly say the Messiah at the end, will bring and restore the people of Israel back to their land as one people, one nation, one family. They look at Jesus and say today, okay, he's a good teacher, he was a great man, he's even a great Torah scholar, but he doesn't qualify as Messiah because he didn't redeem the people. We haven't hit that day of redemption, though, yet, when Jesus returns and he does restore his whole family. But look at it. It's already starting to happen. And our firstborn elder brother is using his Gentile siblings to help his Jewish siblings return home. Starting 1948. It's a family affair. That's <laughs> what it is. Okay, so now you see why I'm so excited about this, because it links so much in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Okay, let's talk about Israel, and we'll finish this up here because this is really cool. If Israel is his firstborn son, that means the rest of the nations on earth must be Israel's siblings. Okay, what makes Israel unique again is that Israel's origin was of a human mother, but through the father's power. Whereas the rest of the nations on earth came about because God scrambled their languages. They were already there. Okay, that makes Israel the only begotten or unique son of the Heavenly Father. So in Exodus 4.22, when Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, how dare you take, you know, oppress my firstborn son? He's going, how does a, a lesser sibling nation try to control and conquer my firstborn son? I'm sticking up for my firstborn son because my hopes and dreams are wrapped up in that son. You leave him alone or I'm taking out your firstborn son. And by the way, the firstborn son is there to provide for the parents in the old age. Pharaoh tried taking out the male children to weaken Israel. God says, I will collapse Egypt by taking their firstborn son. For a generation, they will have no support. I never realized that. When you understand the firstborn aspect, now you know why it's a battle between patriarchs, God, and the Pharaoh versus the firstborn. The firstborn of Israel versus the firstborn of Egypt. What makes Israel a firstborn before the nations? How are they demonstrating this? Well, it comes with a birthright, a responsibility to take care of the family. Look at Israel. In just the hundred years since they started coming into the land, they've been less than a hundred years old, May 1948. They've become leaders in innovations in tech, medical, startup companies, agriculture, energy. The Jewish people have won more Nobel Prizes than any other group on the earth. They are the first responders at almost every natural disaster around the earth, giving aid and comfort. Regardless if it's an earthquake in Haiti or if it's a tsunami over in Thailand, they are usually the first on the scene. Israel exceeds and excels in many areas that benefit the world if the world will receive Israel. I love these anti-Semites, the boycott, divest, and sanction movement people going, if it comes from Israel, I don't want it. Well, fine, turn in your cell phone. 
Okay, turn in your cell phone, stop with your emailing and your text, all this, uh, get rid of your computer, get rid of drip irrigation, get rid of all these wonderful benefits and the Intel chips because why? You didn't want Israel? Fine. When they come up with a, a vaccine for the coronavirus or a cure for cancer, you can just do without and be happy. At least stick to your principles, right? Okay, so not only does Israel as a firstborn have the responsibilities, they have the resources. They are beginning to excel in mining, in mineral, and fuel. I just found this the other day. The discovery of natural gas fields located near the coast of Israel has successfully transformed the nation's energy prospect in a big way. In fact, it is estimated that approximately 2.4 million cubic feet of natural gas is present within the Karish and Tanin gas deposits. In agriculture, Israel has brought forth drip irrigation that makes desert bloom. I like what this article from Israel21.org says. Food security is the critical concern as the global population expands and natural resources dwindle. Smart solutions for more efficient farming, hardier crops, alternative sources of nutrition, and safer food packaging and storage are essential. No other single country, certainly not one as young and as tiny as Israel, has contributed more more breakthroughs to this area than Israel. This is amazing what they're doing. They have been blessed beyond measure relative to their size and their impact to help the world if the world will just receive the firstborn son's help. But like all a lesser sibling, so to speak, they look at the firstborn son and said, who died and put you in charge? Well, actually, you know, it was the father's choice. It's the story of Joseph all over again. It is. It's the siblings selling out the brother so that they don't feel challenged. And yet it turns around the brother, Joseph, is providing for the family in ways that are more than they could imagine. In fact, Joseph said, come on, boys, I'm going to give you the best of the land. And it's amazing. Israel is willing to help the nations of the world, the peoples of the world, in remarkable ways if we will just receive their ministry, their leadership, and their blessing as firstborn among the nations. You know, where they lived in Egypt as well, the Goshen area was a very high... Very know, fertile. Very, very fertile and very prosperous area. It was the Nile Delta, all that yep. luscious soil, yeah. Okay, and finally, let's, let's end it with this. Remember, one of the jobs of the firstborn son was to restore lost family members to the family. You know, that was redemption. There is a day of redemption coming when what Israel started by bringing forth the Messiah, who is the agent of redemption, when Israel's Messiah, the agent of redemption, returns, all of the nations that cooperate and willing to, to be redeemed can come back into the sphere connected to the Father again. This is called the day of redemption, the day of the Lord. And it's going to happen when the firstborn elder brother returns to Israel, the firstborn elder brother of the nations. So now what started back here in Genesis as the firstborn elder brother and all that that meant in ancient Israel, we have now jumped to the very end of Revelation and beyond prophecy into the world to come where we have an elder brother firstborn who is going to be the head of Israel and that will make Israel the firstborn elder brother head of the nations and in that nation, in that time, all the world, God's family, will be blessed. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know where you're going next week, but uh, I've got a lot to think about for a whole week, and it's been really rich. I'm going to talk about how the Father is the ruler and the priest and how that starts in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation 2. <laughs> this is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. <laughs>